Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Nickel IDP podcast. I am your host, John Macri, PFF's IDP specialist and data analyst. Uh, this is it, the season finale for the 2022 offseason. And naturally, just like any respectable television show, you have to go big for the season finale. Whether it's Daenerys Targaryen hatching her dragons in Game of Thrones, the ramifications of the Trinity Killer and Dexter, the final showdown of Gus Fring and Walter White in Breaking Bad, finding out that it's not Penny's boat and we have to go back Kate in Lost. Just some of my personal favorites that I feel no shame in comparing this podcast season finale to thanks to the guest we have today. So, for one more time in 2022, let's get it. Well, we made it through another offseason. The start of the regular season is within reach now, and as a result, it means the end of this show for 2022. But as all the offseason chatter can finally be put to rest, it means we'll soon have real football to evaluate. And someone who has been a master football evaluator for a number of years for essentially every possible football site going from Bleacher Report, The Athletic, Football Guys, NBC Sports Edge, Football Diehards, Fantasy Sharks, and I'm sure I'm missing a few. There's a reason they call him the godfather of IDP after all. The one and only Gary Davenport. Gary, how are you good, sir? Oh, I'm doing well. Like you said, you know, after a long offseason and training camp and preseason and all that, it's finally time to it, – it's going to be fun to watch the Rams and the Bills take the field Thursday night. It is, yeah. It's it's a nice uh, it's a nice opening game we got. Usually they 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 give us a pretty good one to start the year. It's it's a lot better than what they gave us for a few years in a row. Where it was constantly like the Cowboys and the Giants, which isn't as interesting to <laughs> a lot of people. But this will be a good one. And and yeah, it's uh, it's nice to finally kind of put all the you know the the off season you know hype and speculation and and everything like that you know predictions just put it all aside and actually watch football now so i'm excited about it i i know uh i know a lot of people are that's not a <laughs> that's not a surprise to much but um yeah just looking forward to to the season it'll be a lot of work for for us who who work in in the football industry but uh we'll have fun doing it and and it'll be nice to actually watch the games um yeah i mean we're here to talk fantasy football. I, I know, you know, you've been doing this for, for a number of years now and, and kind of the concept of this episode is, is my guys, how many, uh, how many fantasy drafts would you say you're, you've been a part of this, this off season or. Oh, I'm going to go approximately 20 so far. And I probably have another half a dozen or so to go before opening night. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that sounds about right. It's I like... stopped. I stopped counting my leagues several years ago because I just, I, it's just depressing. So I just, I don't even look. <laughs> yeah. You kind of have to, right. It, it's, it, it gets really bad in season when you have to do all the waiver wires for them all. But yes. when, <laughs> when you have like the, the six months, six month off season to just kind of draft slowly, it, it doesn't feel as much, but then once the season starts, it's like, why the hell did I join so many leagues? I've got, I have two live drafts Sunday and I think two live drafts Monday and the live drafts on Monday overlap. So there's going to be 
about a 45 minute span in there on Monday evening where things are going to be interesting, depending on how long the clock is for this. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to have uh, multiple screens going like Absolutely. the, uh, the architect in the matrix basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I've, I've been the same way. I don't think since the, since the NFL draft at the end of April, and like early May, my first rookie draft, I don't think there's been a day that's gone by where I haven't been part of some draft, whether it was a rookie draft, best ball or dynasty startup or 2022 redraft. A lot of them are slower drafts, but still it's just like every day there's there's a draft on my mind. So it'll be nice to get that out of the way too. Um, yeah, I, now all you have to do is remember to set umpteen lineups. And like you said, set aside that block of time on Tuesday and Wednesday to get in there and set your waiver claims. And there'll be a week for you'll be like, oh, I forgot to set claims in such and such league and oh, you yeah. get mad at yourself. It's yeah, it's, it's a grind. I like, I have like a pretty set routine that I, I got used to last year where it was just like Tuesday night, I would just sit down and do everything that I needed to do for the week ahead and then hope that, it all went through and and <laughs> and try to like follow up with it the next day but the yeah it's just trying to get it all in there and organized it's it's a lot of work so i i envy the people who only have a couple of leaks to worry about but <laughs> um but yeah i mean anybody that's listened to this show this off season you know this has heard me talk about a lot of different players that that uh, that i like that that my guests have liked and and I know not everybody listens to to dynasty focused um, fantasy talk. And as we get closer to the regular season, we'll kind of um, bring back some of the names that we're, we're a little bit higher on. And, and that's kind of what this uh, episode is all about. Basically it's, it's essentially um, players that were higher on than consensus. And as a result, we've ended up with plenty of shares of them in our draft. So pretty simple concept, I think. So we'll, we'll kind of go through them all and tell you why we love them and why you should love them too. If you're, drafting in the next week in a bit uh, or so and I, I know a lot of people are so um but again you know a lot of people are done their drafts and in that case you can just root alongside us with the for these players so that we don't look dumb uh for liking them so much but uh that being said we'll, we'll kick things off with uh an underappreciated position the big men in the middle of the defensive line uh gary who is your first my guy at the defensive tackle position well, if I'm in a tackle required league, generally there's one or two directions I'm going to go. I'm either going to pay retail and get a weekly starter that I like or punt. And that weekly starter is very rarely Aaron Donald. I love Aaron Donald. I just don't love Aaron Donald's price tag in yeah. drafts. You know, when he comes off the board, I'm still banging away at linebacker. So if I'm going to pay up for defensive tackle, I like Jeffrey Simmons of the Tennessee Titans. 50-plus total tackles last year, eight-and-a-half sacks, I believe. You know, I think there's a real possibility that I don't know that he's going to outpoint Aaron Donald. I'm not going to get crazy. But I think he could be that number two guy. And I could get him, you know, several rounds later and load up at linebacker and defensive end in positions like that. For sure. Yeah, I think I think we have to kind of be thankful for somebody like Simmons emerging at like such a scarce position, too, because unfortunately, like you said, there's only one team per league that can have Aaron Donald. And after that, we're all kind of fighting for the the next few guys who share a ceiling even somewhat close to what uh, Donald provides. And I think you're right. Simmons is definitely up there. Um, I think there were, there were only two interior defensive linemen who played more than 600 pass rush, pass rush snaps last season. That was Aaron Donald and Jeffrey Simmons. That's it. Um, so the guy, he's a volume monster, doesn't leave the field. 
even if he doesn't have to have like elite pass rush metrics, he still soaks up a ton of production uh, almost by default. And, and like you said, he, you know, he's, he's somebody that you can get a little bit later and he's quickly becoming like a household name for, for fantasy purposes anyways. And, and I think a top five defensive tackle spot is well-deserved for him. Um, so I, I'll talk about one of my uh, favorite defensive tackle targets this year, and that's Jonathan Allen of the Washington Commanders. I have him as my DT2. I'm very high on on Allen this season, um, and it's mostly because the DT position, it comes off the board pretty chalky, right? Like it's, it's Aaron Donald, you get DeForest Buckner, Cameron Hayward, you might see Simmons in there, Chris Jones, you guys like Quinnen Williams, Leonard Williams, Christian Wilkins, but almost never Jonathan Allen from what I've been seeing. So he's my DT two this season, but I almost never have to take him there. Um, only Aaron Donald. Uh, I have, I had put together like an expected sacks uh, model this from this past season. And only Aaron Donald had a higher sack total from the expected sack total from the DT position last season than Allen. Uh, it was 11.4 for Donald, 8.3 for Allen and Allen delivered. He had nine sacks on the year. So he did that on the back of a 90.9 pass rush grade, which was elite third for his position, 20% pass rush win rate, win rate, which was also elite third for his position and a 14.6% pressure rate, which was also second for his position. So he's another guy doesn't leave the field, played close to like 800 snaps last season. Um, and he almost never posted and he actually has never posted below 61 total tackles in a season since 2018. So very reliable floor. He, he can be had near the back end of the top 10 players at the position, but he does offer that DT one upside. I'm, I'm a big fan of Allen keeping that pass rush prowess going into 2022 and providing consistent weekly production throughout the season. Like you said, I like where you can get Allen in drafts. I really do. I think he's a guy you can make the argument there's more value to be had with Allen than even a guy like Simmons. Cause like you said, you can get him even that much later in drafts. And if he can put together another season with the sack, the higher sack totals, like you said, the tackle production is absolutely there. And that's another guy that could absolutely could ostensibly be the number two defensive tackle. And you're getting him seventh, eighth, ninth at the position off the board and winning in fantasy football is all about value. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's funny because the Aaron Donald's definitely spoiled us at the defensive tackle position. So, you know, guys that don't perform Aaron Donald numbers, nobody does. Um, they kind of get overlooked and, and, and missed, but there's some really, really good defensive tackles. There's a small group of them, but there's some good ones that are, that have that kind of um, uh, potential. And, and yeah, he's, he's definitely a value I've seen in, in a lot of drafts. I've noticed they tend to get overlooked a lot too. If you're in a league that just, starts defensive linemen and mm -hmm. the tackles and the ends are lumped together. People attack those defensive ends and the tackles, all the tackles, whether it's Simmons, Allen, Quentin Williams, Leonard Woods, all those guys drop farther than they should. So I'm that guy that's peeking at the defensive tackles while everyone else is drafting ends like Leonard Williams is still on the board. He shouldn't be there. Okay. I'll take him. Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely makes sense, right? Because especially over some of like these like pass rush specialists, guys that don't necessarily maybe play early downs and have that tackle floor. Um, yeah, the defensive tackles like, yeah, Leonard Williams, uh, Jonathan Allen that can put up tackles and sacks. You got to love that, uh, even in defensive line leagues. Oh, absolutely. Give me Leonard Williams over Trey Hendrickson 10 times out of 10. Nice. Awesome. All right. Who is your uh, next defensive tackle on the list? All right, if I'm in a DT required league and I'm not going to pay retail, which I do sometimes, <laughs> I just punt. I just I, I play. It's kind of like with quarterbacks on the offensive side of the ball. 
I play chicken with all the other managers in the league <laughs> and see if I could be like the last guy to draft a starter. I like Larry Ogunjobi of the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially if you're in a tackle-heavy format because you know he's going to put up decent tackle numbers. You're probably going to get – and you're not going to get, you know, double-digit sacks, but you'll get four, five, something mm-hmm. like that. And you're, you pay next to nothing for it. He's essentially free. You can wait until very late, get him – not going to have a great ceiling, but he's going to give you a decent floor. You're not going to be looking at zeros in your lineup every week. And, and like I said, he's free. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good call. I, I'm definitely somebody who has been a value in a lot of leagues, even those DT required ones. Kind of an underrated signing by the Steelers who who lost even to Stefan Tewitt to, to retirement and just being able to replace him with another productive interior player like Ogan Joby. You know, he's probably not as good of a, a pass rusher necessarily as Tewitt was, but he's still very productive. Now he goes to a Steelers defense that can scheme up blitzes and create sacks like nobody else in the league. He has a great shot at being a strong IDP asset again this season. And, and definitely feels like a player that uh, could end up being a huge value at the position as everyone kind of flocks to like Cameron Hayward on the Steelers. Ogunjobi should have a very sizable role as well. Absolutely. I think he had, what, seven sacks, I want to say, for the Bengals last year. I was surprised Cincinnati let him go, to be honest. Yeah, because yeah, their defensive tackle group is is a little thin as well with uh, bj hill and i think they're playing like camp sample uh the rookie in in that spot as well or a second year player but yeah that that is surprising i mean maybe it was a money thing who knows but it usually is right but <laughs> um yeah he's still a good player still a very good player and, and yeah definite value for for idp purposes um so my last uh defensive tackle here i went with uh second year New England Patriot defensive tackle Christian Barmore. Um, so I've definitely talked about Barmore uh, multiple times on this show, but again, there are a lot of new listeners tuning in as we get closer to the season who may not be as interested in dynasty related content. And Barmore is easily one of my favorite targets in DT required dynasty leagues this offseason, but that definitely carries over to redraft as well. Um, my favorite stat that I like to repeat as it relates to Barmore uh, 48 total pressures as a rookie, which is second most for a rookie defensive tackle since PFF started full time charting of the NFL. In in 2006, which was behind only Leonard Williams, uh, who had 52 in 2015. Um, you break that down to a pressure rate, it's 12.6%, which is nearly two percentage points higher than what Williams did in 2015. More impressive is that it's more total pressures and a higher pressure rate than even Aaron Donald as a rookie. Uh, Donald had 46 pressures and a 10.3% pressure rate. Now, obviously, he's not Aaron Donald, um, <laughs> just to reiterate, but um, you know, it, it and it only translated to one and a half sacks in his rookie season. But it's also the reason why he goes overlooked in most drafts. Um, sacks are like a stupid hard stat to get for defensive tackles when you look at like double team rates and rushing up the middle where the quarterback can see them coming, etc. Things like that. Um, but betting on a guy that is good at what he does is just kind of increasing your chances to hit on on an idp star at a super scarce position so i have him as uh, an expected four sacks last season so he did underperform there but there's also room for him um to, to grow and there's no reason he shouldn't hit that and more if he continues to play the way he has combined with belichick relying on him the way he did in his rookie season obviously betting on any new england idp as one of my guys is a is a big ask but we both have one each on this list so we we aren't aren't scared uh we're gonna we're gonna give it a go yeah and and, you know you might as well go with the upside and barmore certainly has the upside and it's not in any way like it's strange 
for a rookie defensive lineman to underperform statistically. So mm-hmm. you, you factor in the possibility of that year two jump. And yeah, I like Barmore too. Awesome. Uh, let's stay on the defensive line here and go with uh, our defensive ends or edge uh, edge rushers. I know you're an ally of the the true position format as well. So um, who do you got here for for the edge position? My first actually is an edge, and if you do play in true position or you play in a format where three four rush linebackers are lumped in with four three defensive ends, I'm a big fan of Leonard Floyd. I just he's a cheap top ten guy. I mean I've regularly seen him go in drafts outside the top 20 yeah and the last couple years he's been you know a top 12 you know you're going to get 60 ish tackles you know you're going to get eight between eight and 12 sacks he's not going to let you down the floor's there the ceiling's decent the price tag is i what's not to like and i've i i hope floyd has a good season this year because i have shares in him all <laughs> over the place i got it would be easier for me to list the teams that do not have Leonard Floyd than it would be to list the ones that do. <laughs> exactly, which is what makes him uh, your guy, right? That, that, yes, that's absolutely. the whole purpose of this. And, and yeah, Floyd is a great example, right? Another volume monster kind of guy. Played over 900 snaps last year and probably not much keeping him from playing another 900 this year as long as he's healthy, right? So um, it always helps playing on a defensive line with Aaron Donald collapsing the pocket on, on almost every play. Um but it's funny, you know, he was a top 10 pick for the Bears, didn't do that much over there for like four seasons. He had a decent rookie year, but after that, never surpassed four and a half sacks uh, in a season. Then he goes to the Rams and he's had 20 sacks in two years, uh, which is more than his entire Bears career combined. Um, but people sour quickly on players that don't produce in the early seasons of their career. And, and Floyd is a good example of taking advantage of that value when it falls because he's been much better lately. And it, it just took him some time to acclimate to the NFL and, and a change of scenery. And um, yeah, he, I, I'm with you. Floyd is a, Floyd is a great call. Uh, so I got another edge guy here. I went with Max Crosby of the Las Vegas Raiders. So just coming back to those um, expected sack numbers again, no edge defender had a higher expected sack total, 16.6 uh, last season based on his on-field performance than Max Crosby. He led the league in pressures with 100, posted elite pass rush metrics across the board, including a 91.8 pass rush grade, 26.6% win rate and 18% pressure rate on over 550 pass rush snaps, which is more than any other edge in the league. Uh, unfortunately, he was incredibly unlucky managing just eight sacks on the year and causing him to finish like dead last among edge defenders in sacks versus expected with a minus 8.6. But you can only get that low with a high expected sack total, which stems from those advanced pass rush metrics and playing time, things like that. So all of that to say, I think he's a prime candidate for for positive regression if if he comes even close to what he provided last season as a pass rusher doesn't even necessarily have to be as elite as he was last year but those numbers are more stable year to year so good chance for him to come close to to that at least um also coming off career high in total tackles with 56 i have him ranked as my my de5 again i i don't really ever have to take him that high, but I end up with a lot of them in drafts as a result. So uh, well after a lot of other guys that I have uh, ranked behind him. So I do love Max Crosby this year. You got to think he's going to cash in more of those pressures this year. And, you know, having Chandler Jones opposite him this season is not going to hurt yeah. even a little. Yeah, yeah. Jones has been like 
the most productive <laughs> edge rusher of the last what 10 years so. right he had 10 and a half sacks last year and it was a bad year yeah it's crazy all right uh who's your next guy on uh on the edge position i i've been talking this guy up all summer long so i might as well i'm if there's a greg russo bandwagon i'm <laughs> driving it 50 total tackles last year in 49 percent of the defensive snaps for buffalo the pressure numbers were decent not great but decent Four sacks. You have to think Jerry Hughes is gone. Mario Addison's gone. He's going to see a big uptick in playing time in his second season. Been working with Von Miller in the offseason, which I hear that Von Miller has been pretty good at rushing the quarterback. <laughs> so, I mean, if he can come anywhere close to that kind of per-snap tackle production, the floor is going to be outstanding. And if he can bump those sack numbers a little bit, there, there's top 12 upside there with Gregory Rousseau, and he's going low-end DL2, if not outside the top 25 mm-hmm. altogether. He's a guy that, another guy that I've rostered all over the place as either a DL2 or sometimes even as a DL3, and I'll stash him on my bed. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great call. I, you know, I, for like these second-year edge guys, there's there's some excitement about like Jalen Phillips and, and Joe Tryon Shoyinka getting like bigger opportunities this season. But I think, like you said, Russo's uptick in opportunity could actually probably be more valuable, even though he had a decent-sized role last year. Um, with, like you said, Addison and Hughes gone, there's a chance for even more uh, snaps for him. And and he actually led all edge defenders in, in run-stop percentage last season at 13.3%, which is pretty impressive for a rookie. Um, he, you know, he, he did, he had decent pass rush metrics as well. Didn't convert as many sacks, but those will come. Um, and those tackles are very important to his floor. And once he develops more as a pass rusher, which we could see as soon as this season, that's, that's a big boost to his IDP value. Definitely worth the, the DE2, uh, price tag, I think. So my other edge guy is, this is a repeat of last season before he got injured. It is Carl Lawson of the New York Jets. I have him as my edge 25. So he's coming off the torn Achilles tendon that ended his 2021 season before it could even begin. Um, But all signs pointed to Lawson becoming like the pass rush threat off the edge that the Jets have been sorely lacking for years. Um, His pass rush metrics from 2019 and 2020 were among the best in the NFL at his position at top 15 marks in, in pass rush win rates, pressure rate. um, And, Unfortunately, you know, it didn't translate into a lot of sacks for him. He managed just nine and a half sacks over that two-year span, which was like 47th at his position. But we know that sacks are wildly unstable year over year. So betting on positive regression for Lawson feels right. Um, By all accounts, he's looked good in camp, even got in a small stint of preseason action and is ready to go to start the year. So love to see that. Definitely falls in drafts because... I think still so many people sort by previous year point totals and because he didn't play, he, he, he doesn't have any points. So he becomes an easy value to target late at the at, late at the edge position as well. Oh yeah. He's been available really like there've been a couple leagues where I'm sort of, and I mean the defensive ends that are left, it, it's just ugly. Yeah. And I'm sort of sifting through the trash and <laughs> Oh wait, Carl Austin's there. And yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, he doesn't have to even have a great year to be a, fantastic value given what you're paying for him yeah yeah he's uh he's he's been falling like crazy it's it i i just end up with so much of him because i think he just goes overlooked but uh uh let us go on to everybody's favorite position uh in idp and that is the linebacker position who is your your first linebacker my guy 
my first linebacker is a guy that had a great season last year, but for whatever reason, there's a lot of folks in the IDP community who just don't, they're like, nope, he can't, he won't repeat, can't do it, trash, get rid of him. <laughs> it's Denzel Perriman of the Raiders, 102 solos, 152 total tackles, top 10 finish, first Pro Bowl of his career. I know that his career before last year, not great. Injury problems, I think his previous career, previous season high in tackles was 73 or something like that. 102 solos is 102 solos. I don't really even care if you're a great NFL player, if you're going to go out there and get me 100 solos. And I haven't read or seen anything to indicate that his role with the Raiders is necessarily in jeopardy. So far as I know, he's going to be the defensive play caller again. He's going to be a three-down linebacker again. So I'm getting him regularly outside the top 20, if not the top 25. And if I can get a guy who just posted an LB1 finish as an LB3, I'll roll those dice. I mean, even if he doesn't pan out, it's not going to wreck my team. It's not going to wreck my draft if my LB three doesn't do what I would mm-hmm. doesn't finish with LB one numbers. But if he does, then my, I'm going to be set at linebacker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you know it with a new defensive coordinator coming in and, and uh, a new head coach. I think it's very possible the Raiders they only deploy one full time linebacker this season. And and I'm with you that I think it's probably going to be Perriman. Um, now, just looking at like tackle production versus expected last year, he was the highest on the on the board for linebackers uh, as far as producing over expected at a plus thirty four point seven. So I'm sure there will be like some regression there. But like you said, I'm not seeing anyone really draft him as a top twelve linebacker. Um, usually falls like you said outside the top twenty. There are some people who grab him early because like they like they do like to chase last year's production but those are rare rare instances now and i'm with you it's outside top 20 outside top 25 most of the time from what i've seen so that's that's a great value for for pairman all right my linebacker and i'm sure most people expect me to talk about whole Cole Holcomb, but I've um, I've talked about him enough uh, that this off season. So I'll and plus I already have two Washington football players on this list, so I, I left them off. But uh, I'm going with Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa of the Cleveland Browns. Um, yeah, I got him as my uh, my LB nine. Actually, he's he's my one of my favorite wow. breakout candidates this season. Um, he played under 600 snaps as a rookie, so as long as he's healthy, should easily see a significant increase uh, in snaps and potentially be an every down linebacker for the Browns, something that um, is not only rare for linebackers, but for rookie linebackers, especially he actually graded well, uh, earning a 76.5 overall grade, which was top 10 among all linebackers last season. But most importantly, he's in a really nice spot to actually produce if he does play that full-time workload, uh, like we expect with the Browns being one of the more zone heavy teams in the nfl they were six last year uh in zone coverage rates which um is a big indicator for strong linebacker tackle efficiency so he has that going for him he also has consistently been one of the first linebackers to the ball uh based on last year's uh numbers on a per snap basis he had an 11.6 11.86 percent uh first contact rate which was top 10 among linebackers so you love to see that puts himself in a position to actually make a tackle on a play um 
you know, he's going to have to clean up the missed tackles a little bit. He had like a 17.4% missed tackle rate last year. So not ideal there, but another guy, I have him ranked very highly, but I don't ever have to take him that high. Um, he's gone as the last four drafts that I've done. He's gone as LB 15, LB 22, LB 21 and LB 20. So as someone who likes to kind of wait on linebackers in, in leagues where scoring is fairly equal across IDP positions, I've been up ending up with a decent amount of JOK shares this year. Um, Still can't get him in Dynasty, but at least make it up for it in redraft. <laughs> I have him in a couple of Dynasties. I'm a Browns fan, so they yeah, love the talent. I love his fit in Joe Woods' defense, and I'm gonna I'm right there with you. I expect him to take a considerable step forward in 2022. I was I wanted the Browns to take him in the first round last year, yeah, and he they didn't. And then when he fell in the second round, I'm sitting there watching the draft, and I'm ready to throw a shoe at the television <laughs> if they don't draft him. Yeah, that was that was definitely one of the biggest steals I think of the draft last year because there was uh, all the talk before the draft was that he was going to be uh, a first rounder and then what was it a heart condition or something like that yeah. that caused him to fall. Um, I mean that hasn't seemed to be a- an issue. I haven't heard it brought up since basically. Um, so yeah, they got an absolute steal there. Who do you think uh, kind of mer- emerges as like the secondary linebacker in Cleveland? That's been kind of a topic for debate between anthony walker and jacob phillips i think we could see a little bit of both i mean i think phillips is a more athletic player gives you a little more upside Mm -hmm. walker is anthony walker is what anthony walker is he's a steady veteran guy i mean if he's out there making the defensive play calls you know he's gonna get everyone lined up where they're supposed to be he's not a guy that gets out of position a lot but he's also limited athletically so Right now, I'd say I'm probably about 55-45 Walker, but it wouldn't surprise me if as the season progresses, we see more of Phillips and less Walker. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah. I know, I know the last uh, preseason game it was, they had JOK, they had Walker, they had Phillips, they all, they all played. Um Phillips was coming off the field on third down. Walker stayed on the field for all the third downs that they were out there. That might be some indication that Walker's probably ahead uh, of Phillips right now. But like you said, that could easily change as the season goes on. But I think a a rotation amongst the two, maybe three, we'll see. Hopefully not for JOK's sake, but um, for the two, I think makes sense for sure. I think JOK's role is safe. And we had, you got to keep in mind, the Browns are not going to have three linebackers on the field. No, no during the regulars, hardly ever. Yeah, That team, I mean, every team anymore, essentially the nickel is the base. Yep. But the Browns are, I think, 80-something percent of the time they're mm-hmm. in nickel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, all right, let's go to another linebacker. Who's uh, your next linebacker that you got? It's a guy who's struggled with the injuries quite a bit, and I think that's causing him to fall in drafts. And there's some uncertainty about his role. It's Dre Greenlaw of San Francisco 49. The guy who has shown time and again he can produce, play well, put up numbers, all that. Granted, he's also a guy that hasn't shown the ability to stay on the field consistently. And I can understand the concern about Aziz Al-Shair because Aziz Al-Shair is another talented – the 49ers are blessed with three really good linebackers mm-hmm. in Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, and Aziz Al-Shair. So I could see possibly a rotation among Greenlaw. And Al Shire, but I'm willing to roll the dice on Greenlaw because he's coming off the board as probably an LB5 mm-hmm. more often than not, you know, and a draft guy. And given what he's shown he's able to do, those are the kind of guys I want to have as my linebacker depth. If it doesn't pan out, I'm not really out anything. If he can 
put up the kind of numbers that we've seen him do in the past and can stay on the field, you know, then you're getting a bargain. You got an LB two, three and LB five price price tag. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love taking Greenlaw late and, and you're exactly right. I think it is usually that LB four LB five territory pretty much every time. I, I really don't think, um, you know, as, as far as question marks go there, there might not really other than health, right? It, I think it's a concern for all linebackers, but I mean, he's the starter there alongside Warner Al Shayer, as nice as it was to have him kind of as this productive waiver wire linebacker last season. That's kind of what um, we should probably expect for him this year if there is an injury. But the 49ers view Greenlaw as their starter from everything they showed. I mean, he started every game that he was active in last season. I don't really see it changing too much this year. He's just got to stay healthy, but um Again, great linebacker value uh, in drafts, like you said. I, I think he's probably one of my favorite uh, uh, guys to grab late as well and then somebody that I've been scooping up quite a bit of. So love Dre Greenlaw. Um, all right, my other last linebacker here. I got TJ Edwards of the Philadelphia Eagles. I have him as uh, my LB17. Um, and that's purely because he plays in one of the most efficient defenses for linebacker tackling in the NFL. The Eagles were fifth in the NFL in zone coverage rates last season at 78.2% bumps up linebacker tackle efficiency by a decent margin, adding to the fact that they were a top 10 team in cover two rates last, last season, which has also yielded a clear advantage for linebacker tackle efficiency. Edwards himself has actually showed that, you know, how good he looks just last season posting 130 tackles last season um despite playing less than 700 total snaps um finished with a a high 23.4 tackles over expected as a result and that's taking into account the tackle friendly scheme so um a big part of that you know he missed just 4.9 percent of his tackles was top 15 at the position and making first contact as well um at 11 percent and I mean, just a guy being in line for an every down role in that defense. I know people are excited about um, the Kobe Dean and, and, you know, even Kaiser White. I have seen go ahead of him, but I think Edwards is maybe the safest bet of that Eagles linebacker core. And I think could be a true league winner candidate, especially considering uh, where he's going in drafts. And I've seen him the last three drafts that I've done, LB 30, LB 31, LB 32, very consistently uh, that, end of the top 30 linebackers off the board so i i have a ton of tj edwards shares this year now i'd say more often than not i'm seeing white go ahead of him and i don't know yeah that, i agree with you i don't know that that's the right way to go i love nicobe dean heading right. into the 2022 draft and he dropped to the kind of similar to what happened with it was a yeah. last year health concerns and he <laughs> fell to day two but i just i don't know that the path to playing time is there for dean right now unless there's an injury it just mm-hmm. doesn't appear to they seem to be happy with Edwards and White as their top two linebackers. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, we've seen how many Eagles linebackers have we seen put up Gonzo numbers? I mean, Alex Singleton put up <laughs> crazy numbers last year, and he's a bum. Yeah. So, Nathan I mean, CJ Edwards is actually a good player. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's a great defense for it. And and yeah, I'm with you on Nicobe Dean. I love him for Dynasty. And, and, you know, I think I said this on the last podcast, like we can love a guy for Dynasty, but, you know, be out on him for redraft just because of the situation in in this season specifically so um, oh, yeah. i've i mean if edwards or white were to get hurt i will oh yeah pull a hamstring run into the waiver <laughs> wire to grab the kobe D. yeah so, barring that injury i just i don't see the path of playing time being there for him yeah no i'm uh, i'm 100 with you 
Um, let us move to the defensive backs now and start with the, the safety position. Uh, who do you have as one of your favorite safeties? Uh, this, this is another guy I've got shares of all over the place. And this is my contribution from the New England Patriots defense mm-hmm. that has been about as easy to figure out for IDP managers <laughs> as the running backs have been for the offensive people. So it's yeah. not just y'all that are frustrated. We do, <laughs> But Kyle Duggar, I did 99 tackles last year, really seemed to take a big step forward in his second season after coming out of the one of those colleges that I legitimately had to look it up. I'm like, is that a yeah. real school? That Where one of those schools Lenore go, Ryan. <laughs> right. You, is that one where you just go to school online and they <laughs> advertise for it at two o'clock in the morning? But it just played really well last year. Had everything I've seen indicates that he's going to be their full time box safety this year. I'm not Adrian Phillips is a half a linebacker. And I know they signed Jabril Peppers, but I, I I'm just not worrying about Jabril Peppers. No. I because I've seen Jabril Peppers play. Right. So I think Duggar should sail past 100 tackles this year. I think he's going to finish as a top 10 defensive back, and I'm getting him regularly, like as a middling DB2. I'm will forever and always be the fade defensive backs guy. You know, I get my linebackers, I get my defensive linemen, and I come back later for the defensive backs. And Duggar is a guy that has been there for me regularly, and I think it's great value. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think people are like they're aware of how Belichick likes to deploy his his players uh, in general, and and it kind of scares people off. But uh, yeah, I love Duggar. I love him as a player. I mean, if if you said like like you said a full time box role for him, um, so an uptick from last season snaps, I think you know has a very strong case to be made for even like the safety one overall if he can if he can play a full time role. I know they still like Adrian Phillips uh, quite a bit. I, they, they've been kind of playing a little bit of games this preseason, uh, playing Duggar for a drive, then swapping him out for Phillips for a drive, and then putting Duggar back in. I worry that that might continue into the into the regular season. But the best part of Duggar is even if that does happen and he doesn't play a full-time role, the large majority of his snaps come closer to the line of scrimmage, which makes up for those lower snap totals by just allowing him to be uh, more efficient as a tackler and generate kind of more with less. So, yeah, like you said, if it goes to a full-time role, then, I mean, there might not be any stopping him from from being the safety one just because those alignments and how efficient he is as as a player. And, and yeah, I'm not worried about Jabril Peppers either. That's uh, That feels if more like Jabril a special Peppers, teamer. <laughs> if he sees the field, I'm firing off an angry letter to Belichick. Yes, please do on behalf of everybody that plays. Out MVP. come the crayons and I start cutting out <laughs> words from the magazine. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That'll be uh, that'll be helpful for everybody. Actually, you'd be doing us all a solid. I, I'm, I'm a helper. That's me. I'm just a helping a sort of guy. And we appreciate you for that. <laughs> uh, so I'll go to one of my safeties here, and unfortunately, didn't receive great news today. So I'm a little bit bummed about that, and I feel like I might have cursed him. But it's my other Washington Commanders, and that. Uh, player and that is Cameron Curl. Uh, I have him as my safety three. Um, so I was excited for Curl early this offseason after the release of Landon Collins, but I couldn't possibly expect to be hyping him up more than this. I mean, this preseason, his usage has been elite. Uh, just looking at the 49 defensive snaps that he's played, it, it was it's an every down role lined up in a very nice 69% of those snaps in the box. He added another two on the defensive line, seven in the slot. The best part is that he rarely played deep at just five 
five snaps from a deep alignment, consistently keeping him in the middle of the action. And it's why he ended up with what eight total tackles in the in the preseason. So like a tackle efficiency of sixteen point three percent. That's high even for linebackers. So expectations are at an all time high for curl for IDP. And I mean, you know, there was a, a picture that came out today. He he was a, he was wearing a sling. Um, so there might be some concern with like his shoulder or something like that. Rivera basically didn't give any information on it, which, okay, it's fine. He's, you know, he's got a few days, uh, a week and a bit to, to rest up. I don't think they play until the Sunday. So we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't affect him. But I mean, he's somebody that, again, I, I just end up with a ton of because I have him ranked highly and I do like to wait on, on defensive backs. So I'm not getting derwin james anymore even though he was my guy last year everybody's on board with him as kind of the safety one now so i've missed out on him a ton in redraft and uh curl just ends up being there when i'm ready to take safety so i love him for that i can think of at least two teams where curl and dugger are my starting defensive backs this year nice i love the value with both those guys i think the floor is great the ceiling <laughs> is i it, that is a exactly the kind of defensive back that I've been targeting year in and year out for over a decade. Oh yeah, that is, yeah, that's a beautiful group right there. Yeah. If you got curl and Duggar as your starting safeties, um, you're laughing because odds are you probably waited on the position at least. And, and you still ended up getting potentially uh, two top tier players at the position. So you love that. Um, All right. Who else you got as, uh, as one of your guys for safety? You know, I've got a guy that actually I like a little bit more given developments in recent days, and that's Marcus May mm-hmm. of the New Orleans Saints. He's a guy that has shown me, but it's another guy that has had durability issues in the past. But when he's been out there, he has shown the ability to post numbers, especially when he's been closer to the line of scrimmage. It certainly appears that's going to be his role in New Orleans. Is he's going to be the box safety, and Matthew will play more deep. Although there might be some interchanging because May has – he has experience as a box. It's not just box safety. He has experience playing deep too, but they got rid of Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So may and Matthew are going to be out there all the time. And may is one of those defensive backs that is going, you can wait till the last two or three rounds of your draft and he's going to be there. So the great thing about those kind of defensive backs is if they pan out fantastic, if they don't, you know, week three rolls around, he hasn't put up the numbers that I like. I'll kick him to the waiver wire and grab some other. Because there are going to be players on the waiver wire. There always are. But I, I like Marcus May quite a bit this year. And John Norton at Football Guys does too. We, nice. were, we have talked him up most of the summer. Beautiful. Yeah, love it. I, I mean, there's basically no players that I disagree with you on, on your list here. And, and May is a great one. I, I mean... I have him as like safety 23, another guy you do not have to draft in that spot because he falls way lower than that in drafts. I just pulled like his um, numbers from the most recent drafts that I've done. Safety 39, safety 31, safety 40, and even went undrafted and won as well. So I I'm, I don't know if there's a safety being slept on more than Marcus May. I, I'm with you. I think he will be the one to rotate down closer to the line of scrimmage um, more so than, than Tyron Matthew. Um, and that's been the case in the preseason as well. We saw May, uh, 53% of his snaps in the box are in the slot compared to Matthew's 40%. So it's close, but there's, there, like you said, that interchangeability is there. I think there's still a good chance that May uh, leads those snaps each week, which makes sense as a bigger body, somebody who has experience doing that. And and he's a good run defender as well. So, I, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I love this call with May. Uh, another guy, super, super valuable um, for where you're getting him in drafts. At their relative price tags, I'd rather have May than Matthew. But that's yep. 
Matthew's a guy who's been overdrafted for you. I mean, I yeah. love Tyron Matthew as a football player. Yeah. But as an IDP option, a little too big play dependent for my taste. Yep. And people see that name and the Honey Badger nickname, and they wind up grabbing him as a top 10, top 15 safety. And he's just not that guy. Yeah. Yeah, very similar to like the big name corners, right? Like people know the Absolutely. name, um, they're attracted to the their NFL playing ability, but it doesn't necessarily translate to IDP value. So yeah, I'm with you. Give me May over Matthew all day. Um, my other safety is Brandon Jones of the Miami Dolphins. So this is a safety I still do end up with a lot of share, shares of as well. Um, the defense in Miami doesn't look to have changed much with Brian Flores leaving. It's still likely to be that same dime heavy man heavy scheme. Um, That's what they've shown this preseason uh, that they were last year. So I'm sure they'll start to show more of those blitz tendencies as well, which made Jones uh, a very good IDP last season. Um, And, and the reason that that matters, all of those, those things is because they were also one of the leaders in single high safety looks last season with Javon Holland uh, being their clear deep guy and Brandon Jones with a sprinkling of Eric Rowe being their strong safeties that get the majority of those um, box snaps that we love for IDP. Only, Two other safeties who played at least 20% of snaps had a higher rate of snaps in the box and on the defensive line in 2021 than Brandon Jones, and that was Adrian Phillips and Jeremy Chin. Um, So Jones had 61.3% of his snaps played close to the line of scrimmage. Gives him excellent tackle efficiency. We saw that each of the past two seasons, really 15%, 11% last year. Um, I think we can see an increase in playing time for him this year as well with Eric Rowe continuing to be kind of phased out a little bit, which would be a big boost for his fantasy value. Um, and I think we got a glimpse of that in the final preseason game with the starters. Um, when they were out there, Jones played 86% of the defensive snaps while Rowe played 29%. So um that's a, that's a good sign for the regular season. Nearly 42% of Jones's snaps came in the box as well. So primed for strong production once again. Again, another player I don't have to take where I have him ranked. He goes outside the top 20 players at the position pretty consistently. Oh, I love Jones. Given the amount of time he spent attacking the line of scrimmage last year, the, the pass rush numbers are a lovely little bonus, nice little icing on the proverbial yep. cake. At their respective price tags, give me Jones over Jeremy Chin. Every day, especially given what we've seen out of the Carolina Panthers in the preseason. There are a lot of people that drafted Jeremy Chin over the summer that if the percentages hold that we saw in the preseason into the regular season, they're going to be wondering what the heck happened with Jeremy Chin and why is Xavier Woods (laughs) racking up tackles? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it. That that was some scary usage for sure. And (laughs) and yeah, I mean, that, uh, you know. I think uh, Adam um, from the IDP show has been talking about this all off season. It's just the price tag with chin, right? It's, it's too expensive for a guy that, you know, there's other players at the position who could produce similar numbers like a Brandon Jones, like a Kyle Duggar, Cameron curl at, at this point. So, yeah, Jeremy Chin is is getting a little bit scary with uh, for how deep he was playing uh, this preseason with Xavier Woods playing shallow. So something to monitor. We'll see week one what happens. But the basically safety two price tag that you have to pay for for Jeremy Chin is uh, is not looking too great right now. About the only quote unquote elite safety I have rostered is I have a couple shares of Jordan Poyer because the elbow injury he dropped a little bit and it was almost like a nostalgia thing because for years for years Jordan Poyer was undervalued every year I could get him as the 15th 18th 20th defense back off the board he'd go out and finish eighth 
Yeah. And I did year after year after year. And then people finally caught on and murdered my joy. <laughs> but then he got hurt uh, this summer. So his price went down a little bit. I see the look at the board and Jordan Poy. I was like, you know, yeah. for old time's sake, Jordan, welcome to welcome to the team again. Welcome buddy. back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jordan Poyer is a great one. He's been he's been an IDP legend for years now. You love him. Um, all right, let's go on to our final position here, one that is not talked about enough, and that is the cornerback position. Who is your your first guy at corner? Okay, I don't have any shares of him because I just I wait forever. The cornerbacks are like if if you have to start two, my last two IDP picks are going to be a sure. quarterback every yep. time. It is. Yep. But I like Marlon Humphrey of the Baltimore Ravens. I just strong tackler, big play numbers are there. The force fumbles, his ability to do that. He has a very peanut Tillman esque <laughs> ability to do that. I don't want to totally compare him to Peanut because the sure. peanut punch trademark Charles Tillman, right, right, agent Charles Tillman. I guess it is now. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. if I'm going to pay retail for a corner or even close to retail, because since Humphrey was hurt last year, it's another guy that people are soured. Or they just searched last year's numbers and he's way down the list mm-hmm. because he missed so much time last year. But you can probably get him outside the top 10 corners more often than not. And I think he gives you a floor among those bigger name corners that you're not going to, like you said, a lot of those, you know, the Xavier Howards and guys, they're so interception dependent that yeah. if they don't get a pick, you're getting nothing from them. And people just don't understand the disconnect that if you're such a good cornerback, that opposing quarterbacks don't target you, yeah. then it's awfully hard to put up numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if there's one thing like with the cornerback position, it's do not <laughs> draft cornerbacks until the, the final rounds. Like you said, there's gonna, there's always, always, always people that are going to be drafting like a Trayvon Diggs or Kenny Moore in the middle rounds while there's still like top tier offensive players. There's some, really good linebackers and defensive players. I mean, not top tier offensive players, but really good depth players at offense. It's just such an interchangeable position and you can, you could stream it every week or you can find full-time players late uh, in drafts. And it's funny how quickly people forget how to treat the corner position because a year ago, he was almost always the top corner taken off the board, Marlon Humphrey um, because of the fumbles, like, like you said. So people wanted that to repeat. Um, this year it's, it's Trayvon Diggs, right? People want the the interceptions to repeat. Those things don't really translate year to year. So you have to kind of keep that in mind and, and not draft those guys early, expecting just numbers to carry over from one season to the next. It's such an unstable position. Um, but yeah, I've seen Humphrey Humphrey's been falling way past where he was going last year. And then, yeah, he does become a nice little value actually um, for people who do want to take a corner before the final two rounds. Just, just don't do it too early. No, I'd rather, I can kind of understand the Kenny Moore love, at least a little bit. I mean, he's a hundred tackle yeah. guy. And yeah. I I understand the tackle production. Trevon Diggs, no, he's not going to get 11 interceptions again. Yeah. He may, he probably won't have 11 interceptions over the next two years combined. Mm-hmm. Although one thing Trevon Diggs does have going for him is he's really not great in coverage. <laughs> oh, yeah. So opposing quarterbacks are going to target him with regularity. Yeah. So at least you know that that volume is going to be there. As a, I mean, people look at him like he's the best corner in the NFL. No, he's it's crazy. He's closer to the bottom than the top. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's just basically box score scouting, right? You look at the interceptions, then don't see the, the yards he's given up. Over a thousand yards in coverage last year is is pretty insane. 
Um, but yeah, the, another corner uh, that I like, um, it's in the similar kind of mold as like a Kenny Moore, not quite as as high a tackle numbers, but Teron Johnson in that slot corner role for, for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I mean, it's no secret the Bills play like a higher rate of nickel defense than any team in the league. They did that last season as well at 91.1%. Um, this allows their nickel corner, Teron Johnson, to essentially be a, an every down player. And even missing a game last season, he still played nearly 900 defensive snaps, posted above average tackle efficiency for the position, and an above average forced incompletion percentage of 10.5%, which is one of the stickier stats for cornerbacks year over year if you're looking for those uh, pass breakups or if you think you can predict interceptions. That would be kind of the number to look at to, to try and do it. So he does tend to go bit higher than i'd like in drafts but he still slides enough to where i feel comfortable uh taking a corner and and definitely well after the likes of a trayvon Diggs and, and kenny moore those guys you're, you're starting to see those slot guys the nickel corners going earlier than they used to because yeah. like you said these nickel corners they're full-time players you know it's not the days are gone when they were on the field mm-hmm. 60 65 percent of the time now it's you know, they're not getting 600 snaps. They're getting 1,000, which is all the more reason to wait on quarterback because there's just that many more 900, 1,000 snap quarterbacks out there. Yeah, as often as not, like I'll draft corners in my IDP leagues, but they have one game. If you don't give me a good week one, oh, yeah. you're gone. <laughs> I'm looking at the schedule like, okay, who's playing Buffalo? Who's playing Kansas City? And I'll just grab one of those guys and roll them out. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I know Johnny the Greek, he's a big fan of just grabbing AFC West cornerbacks this year because <laughs> of uh, because of the quarterbacks that they have in that division. And it, it works. It's not a bad strategy. Um, it's much, uh, much cheaper than than trying to pay up for for cornerback. Um, who else you got as your your corner here? I got Imani and Warrior of the Detroit Lions. He is one of those guys that you can get in the last couple rounds. I don't know. I guess it's because he pays for the Lions and nobody ever watches <laughs> the Lions. So they have no idea who's playing on that team. Yeah. Other than who they see on hard knocks. So sure. at least it, at least everyone now knows who Malcolm Rodriguez is. Exactly. There for a little while he was like the uh oh my god, Damian Pierce of IDP over the summer. The hype was only that doesn't look like Rodriguez is going to start. Henry had, I think, what, half a dozen interceptions last year. Tackle numbers were decent. Full-time player. And again, he has a nice blend of tackle and big play upside. And I could wait until the last couple rounds of the draft and grab him. And if he pans out and has a good couple weeks, awesome. If he doesn't, I'll just get rid of him and replace him with one of those AFC West cornerbacks you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, that's it, right? It's it, that's perfectly said. I mean, that's what you're looking for, right? You're looking for an every down player uh, who has just a good shot, as good a shot at finishing as like a top twelve corner as anyone else at the position. Just needs to basically stay healthy and, and get a little bit of luck on his side as well for for interceptions and things like that. So, um, yeah, Orowarie, another great example, and and that's kind of how I feel about uh, my last guy here, and that's um, Sidney Jones of the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, I could pretty much get him in every single draft that I'm in. I have him as like CB6 on the year, and I just grab him in the final round of pretty much every draft because he doesn't have the name value um, that these other starting corners do. I know he's healing up from a concussion right now. He sat out the preseason, but by all accounts is the expected starter uh, for week one outside uh, along with 
Artie Burns and Justin Coleman in the slot in Seattle. So playing in a defense that could benefit uh, corner production. Um, he was productive last year, posted nine and a half percent tackle efficiency and a 17.9% forced and completion percentage. One of the select few starters that were actually above average in both of those numbers last year. Um, and the only one to finish in the top 25 among cornerbacks in both categories. So I think he can be a really good IDP corner that could be had for literally nothing because nobody knows who he is and nobody's drafting him but me. <laughs> Nice matchup in week one against Denver, too. Jerry Judy, Carlton Sutton, Russell Wilson looking for blood. Oh, yeah. I know as a Seahawks fan, the last thing you want to hear is Artie Burns <laughs> is starting. Still might be better than uh, hearing Ugo Amadi is starting, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long year in the Pacific oh, Northwest. Man. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to manage this year it's going to be it's going to be rough for seattle but i think they've made it pretty clear that they're not so much playing for 2022 they're looking at cj stroud and bryce young like yeah we're gonna go get one oh yeah yeah we'll we'll just start geno smith this year and uh, <laughs> hope for the best which is essentially the worst uh so <laughs> um but man that that's it we we've reached the end uh the end of this episode and now the end of season two of the big nickel idp podcast i hope that uh everybody is now ready for the 2022 season after all the the chin wagging that my guests and i have done throughout the offseason on these players a, a massive thank you to gary for taking the time uh to come on the show and talk idps with me gary i i, I can't thank you enough Oh, pleasure is absolutely mine. Fan of the show. Glad to be here. Ready for the season. Ready to get, get after it. Absolutely. And and could you please remind everybody where they could find you as if they don't know already? <laughs> I am an NFL analyst at Bleacher Report, senior staff writer at Fantasy Sharks, uh, contributing author and associate editor at Football Diehards, an IDP writer at Football Guys and NBC Sports Edge. Do some off-season work at The Athletic. You can find me on the Twitter at idp sharks wow yeah i I, i'm not gonna lie i thought about doing like a like a from aladdin the the prince ali song in the form of gary d to just to kind of name all your accomplishments and everything but (laughs) i don't think anybody wanted to hear that and i I didn't embarrass (laughs) you Uh, but Gary, I, a big thank you to you and, and a big thank you to everyone who has guested on this podcast this season, uh, especially um, to everyone who has actually tuned in to, to listen to me ramble as well. I appreciate all of you more than you know. Um, and, and lastly, uh, this show would not be possible without the big three themselves josh adam bobby let me they let me into the idp show family and i wouldn't be able to do an idp podcast without them i'm very happy to be a part of the winning team over here at the idp show and i know i speak for all of us when i say we look forward to keeping that momentum going forward and into the future um as for me, I, I won't be disappearing completely since Josh and I will be part of the weekly preview teams in season. And of course, you can always find me at PFF underscore Macri on the Twitter and on PFF.com uh, with the brand new IDP utilization report that will come out weekly. Uh, I just dropped the free version, the preseason version. Um this uh today actually it's it's wednesday so uh people could get an idea of everything that they can expect to find in there every week which is pretty much everything to help you dominate your fantasy idp leagues this season again thank you all for listening all off season long i love you all and for the last time this off season idp's out <laughs>